From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting their businesses up and running. My name is Kieran. I'll be your host for this episode. Here's what you can expect on today's episode. That digital nomad community is becoming far more um, present online. So, you know, there are plenty of Slack channels, plenty of even, even old school Facebook groups, forums, places you can chuck a job post up for free and get a surprisingly large amount of um, response from really quality candidates that you can then vet. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul David and William Gadsby, Pete, uh, co-founders of Literal Humans. Literal Humans help brands build a content marketing strategy that's future-proof and speaks to customers the way they do like real people with real voices. Uh, Paul and William, you're very, very welcome on today. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. How are you doing, both of you? Doing well, thanks for having us. Great. Well, if I could take you back in time for a moment, if you could both let me kind of know what you were doing before you decided to, to set up Literal Humans and kind of how you guys both came to that decision, um, that would be kind of great, great to hear. Yeah, happy to kick us off, Will. Um... First of all, thanks for having us, Karen. Really, really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to chat. And um, yeah, before Literal Humans, um, Will and I were both working in different facets of uh, digital marketing. I'll let Will explain his side. But on my side, I've been working at um, another agency for about two and a half years and had sort of been like the number two in the agency, done a lot of operational mm -hmm. work, um, done some writing, helped build the agency from about like half a million ARR a year to uh, 1.5 million in about two years. And um, yeah, just got to see some really cool B2B SaaS clients, got to work on some some cool projects and just felt like I was kind of hitting, you know, my, my ceiling in the agency. I wasn't the founder, so you know, I couldn't shape the agency the, the way, exactly the way I wanted. Um, and also the pandemic happened. So we lost a ton of clients at that, at that previous agency. So I just sort of said, hey, you know, let's take an opportunity to use a crisis for what it's worth and um, start something new. and. Um, then reached out to Will and, and said, hey, you know, you want to start an agency? And, and Will and I had gotten to know each other through um, digital marketing circles. He was a potential mm -hmm. client at this previous agency. And we ended up just getting a pint and, uh, yeah, becoming mates. So um, I think a pint tends to be common ground for a lot of new businesses. We, we actually met through the power of content marketing, which uh, shows that it works. Like um, the, the previous agency Paul worked at, um, they were doing a classic uh, content play where they offer like a, you know, a free ebook um, and all you've got to do to get mm -hmm. the ebook is give them your email address. So I'd seen some of the work of the agency, was impressed, gave them my email address, um, you know, uh, to get access to the book. And then Paul messaged me like two days later being like, hey, I'm in London. Uh, can we talk about whether Lucky Voice Karaoke needs any content marketing? I was like, we definitely don't. Um, but if you want to go for a point, <laughs> if, you wanna, if you wanna go for a point anyway, I'd be more than happy to. And I sort of kicked off a friendship from there. <laughs> and yeah, I suppose that's quite an interesting thing just to dig into for a second. How did you find starting a business in two different countries? Oh, yeah, I mean, at first I started with the intention of moving back to the to the UK. So I was just, you know, spending time with family during, the, I guess, the first lockdown. I'm, I'm from Philadelphia originally. so. 
that actually gave me, you know, something to focus on and, and um, just really both of us, I imagine, like we're bored in some ways and also looking for new opportunities during the lockdown. So it was a, a really good time to apply yourself <laughs> with all that extra time. So, and then, yeah, like the first few months were pretty slow going, you know, we, we sort of had, you know, frequent conference calls and we're like figuring out strategies just to get the website up and running and start to bring in some business and things like that. And then I want to say around like August or September of 2020, um, I shipped over to the UK and the wheel started moving. We started to get our first few clients and things like that. And I think we kind of hit the market at the right time as folks' mm -hmm. marketing budgets were coming back online and we, we were picking up speed in terms of building a team and kind of structures and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So it wasn't, wasn't terribly hard, I don't think, with all the tools we have today that sort of work together yep. and communicate. So. Yeah, I was just saying, like, like a, we're, while me and Paul are now both in London, um, uh, the rest of our team is distributed across pretty much every time zone on, on the planet. So we, we've kind of very much built remote first with, with a fully distributed team. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's way less of a problem than we, to be all honest, uh, thought it was going to be when we started the agency, um, with all the tools available to you now to collaborate around the, the only thing that is sometimes a bit difficult is trying to, um, sync up time zones. Um, but seeing as mostly it's America and European clients, um, you know, it's, it's really not that difficult. We, the only time you ever really run into problems is if you're trying to sync up sort of America and Australia and Asia. Other than that, it, it's fine for the group calls. Um, and yeah, all the collaboration tools to work sort of asynchronously have, have really made it not that difficult at all. Of course. Um, I suppose one, one thing I'm kind of just curious about, um, obviously in those nascent kind of couple of months, you're figuring out your strategy, but you're also talking about how you're presenting yourself to the world, which are crucially from an agency perspective, is getting the website, get the case studies looking nice, uh, getting that all in place. Are you guys both a fay with working with websites, building it out, putting kind of CMS behind things, or was that something you're like, not my bag, outsource it? So yeah, I, I, I am, um, I mean, we, we both are, but, um, I, I sort of built our kind of prototype website just so we had something to, um, send clients towards. Um, the first thing we spent any real money on was, um, the website and, um, we got the best designers we knew who, who are now the, um, the two creative directors at the agency, um, got them to work together to kind of help us build a real brand, build a real, web, um, a, a 20 sort of page website design and then just had it implemented in dev. So we kind of did a bit of both. Like it was first, I kind of put something together that was good enough, um, with, with my sort of limited content and, um, and development skills on WordPress. And then we got some professionals in to really make sure, make the mm -hmm. website what it is today. One thing I'm also fascinated about when you're kind of trying to launch an agency in this space is obviously you've seen there's probably a different way of doing things uh, from your own personal experience, but then you have to balance that against trying to get your first clients through the door. So kind of how focused were you on this is our niche, this is what we do versus let's get up and running with client ABC? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a tricky one because, you know, just so thirsty for, for work yeah that, you, know, you go out there and yeah i mean i think we came in with like an initial idea of you know like focus on you know core bread and butter you know seo optimized like blog content and, and that was sort of coming from i think some of the previous agency work that, that i've done and you know i think work that that will just seen work well in the in the field but then you know clients hit you with different requests and things like that and you're like sure we can do that and and given our agency model, like we kind of operate as a, as a freelance collective, um, mm -hmm. we're able to pull in people quickly who can sort of service that client. But I think after doing like a year of that, you're like, okay, you know, we kind of need to niche down a little bit and, and pick specific areas where we know we have, 
you know, a core team and things. So I, I think we definitely found ourselves in that classic agency position at first of, okay, we can be sort of, you know, everything to anyone because we need to boost yeah. our, our ARR. Um, and we did. And, and there were some hits and, and some misses. And, and, you know, I think we'll be the first to be, be honest with you about that as our, as our yeah. agency name suggests. Um, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you do what you need to do to get off the ground and then you, uh, you know, build a better ship, I guess. Yeah, I think we made the same mistakes every agency does at the beginning. Um, you know, not not just taking on clients from any niche, but um, also just you know, like at price points that just did not make sense because um, yeah. we were just so, so eager to get the business to start. But yeah, I, one thing I was saying, like we, we've definitely, as we've grown, kind of developed. Sort, we've kind of got better at both. Like we have sort of a, a bread and butter that we look for. You know, like we, we are very much into mission-driven brands. You know, people that do good in the world, B two B SaaS, nonprofits. Um, but we've also just got better at kind of putting the systems and processes in place that, you know, if someone does come to us, say from like, you know, the cannabis sector, which has some very specific regulations on it, some very specific, um, you know, things you need to know to create content for, mm -hmm. um, we've got a, that globally distributed team of freelancers. So we can actually build a, a custom team for each client, which is, is definitely one of the strengths, I think, of our agency model. You know, if you, if you have the, centralized team of 20 people mm -hmm. and you've got bob your copywriter and bob does copywriting for everything from you know h to h SaaS to um you know b to b venture capitalist funds he's a bit of a jack of all trades yeah. he doesn't specialize in anything yeah. whereas you know, when we get a new client in an industry that needs it we'll go all right we don't want a copywriter we want a you know specialist in this industry and we're also going to get an seo strategist that is a specialist in this industry mm -hmm. with a proven track record and you actually end up building these teams that um you know are almost the perfect team for that client and its industry mm -hmm. rather than just kind of the best you can put together with your own resources and well how do you how do you find kind of recruiting for that kind of have you guys just being able to leverage off your own kind of network within the industry to be able to go, I'm a, I'm a VC and I need to improve my content. Therefore I know not Bob, but Charlie or whoever is, is able to do that. Or has there been kind of different pathways you've gone down that enables you to easily access a, a network of freelancers for, for, for kind of niche type requests? Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of flex our own. The first port of call is always our own group of writers. You know, we, we have a Slack channel with, with um, you know, not just writers, but all of our freelancers in. And you yep. know, we'll just throw out to the team, hey, does anyone know a person in, in this that they could recommend? Um, you know, at first, when there was only sort of 10 people we were freelancing with, it, that didn't work that well. Now mm -hmm. that you've got a couple hundred people in that Slack channel, suddenly it's, you know, it, it's a very good first place. Um, we've also found that, you know, that digital nomad community is becoming far more um, present online. So, you know, there are plenty of Slack channels, plenty of even, even the old school Facebook groups, forums, places you can chuck a job post up for free and get a surprisingly large amount of um, response from really quality candidates that you can then vet. And then I suppose internally then, what kind of roles have you started to identify as crucial roles for literal humans as you've kind of got up and running as a business that are like, essential parts of the, the, the business name. Yeah, we, we've just brought on, um, well, just a few months ago, brought on like a, you know, core like operations person who's, you know, we call it a content strategist, but their role is content operations, project management, just like making sure everything from, you know, putting together the editorial calendars to writing the briefs to kind of, you know, chasing designers and writers and team members for, um, you know, work that is uh, needed to be done. Um, so that was a very, mm -hmm. very crucial role. Um, 
And then I think, you know, the, the role of the creative director that Will mentioned before, just having kind of a senior designer to kind of oversee the work of, you know, really all the team, whether it comes to our own brand integrity, but also maintain the brand integrity of our, our clients. That's really important. Um, people with really strong, you know, brand and design aesthetics, I think. And then I think, you know, the, just like finding really good writers, really good designers, people who can flex from, you know, different brands and industries and tones of voice and things like that, that continues to be really tricky, especially in, mm. I think, a, a labor market that is like just flooded with like new talent and folks who are like, yeah. hey, I'm leaving this full-time job and I want to be a freelancer. And they're showing up with a website and a portfolio that, you know, would seem to match what people have been doing for the past 10 years, maybe, but not necessarily, you know, so I think that's a really interesting thing that's happening with talent right now that mm -hmm. we're trying to uh, to navigate yeah i'd say like probably the biggest downside for our own personal um sanity of, of our model is you know we have this internal team which we're, we're very happy with you know kind of mm. growing that team of like five to ten people but we never really stop working at, at building that ecosystem of great writers right, exactly. so you, you kind of you it's you know you never get to a point where you think cool well, we don't need to recruit anymore like like we're always yeah. still trying to find better writers, better designers, better SEO folk that we can get in touch with and build into that kind of agency distributed ecosystem. And how do you find kind of like qualifying them? Is that kind of pretty heavy duty manual process or do you use any kind of systems to be able to kind of get them in one place, kind of go through their, their attributes, whether it's a, a website, a portfolio, whatever it might be. Um, how do you find that process? Yeah, I mean, at least for writers, we do a, uh, well, we do this for designers as well, like a paid test project, um, which we think is really important because, um, frankly, a lot of other places, like they just, you know, ask you to hand in free work or, you know, um, they, they look at your portfolio or it's about your connections and things like that. So we find the test project thing to be a bit more fair and a bit more relevant to the work that we actually do because um, we actually give them, you know, active client work that, you know, we sort of, you know, farm out to them at a, at a set rate. Um, and then, yeah, we look at the portfolio, we lean on the expertise of our team, um, you know, whether it's a referral or something like that, but we think it's important to like get them actually into the actual work that we're doing and, and make it super relevant and, and timely and then, and then see how they do. And then, and then kind of like, you know, keep a loose bench of folks who are, you know, we've, we've vetted. And then when we match them to a project, bring them on to a specific project. And we find like, I found that as a freelancer when I was on the other side of it to be a huge benefit to kind of hang with a group of talented people. And then when the mm. right project comes my way, rather than just sort of being a freelancer out in the wilderness on your own and just like, you know, yeah. chasing down work. So. Yeah. Cause I get the sense from you guys, just even by, by talking about getting from 10 people in your Slack group to a hundred people, 200 people in the Slack group, not only obviously are you increasing the chances of getting quality work through, but what you're actually doing is creating a community of like-minded individuals that not only want to share and contribute to the work side of things, but actually they're probably benefiting from each other in terms of being in that community. Um, so from a freelance perspective, they're, they're less isolated, I suppose they feel. So has, has that been something that you're kind of noticing a kind of added benefit, I, I would say? I think like quite a lot of our strategy that we're putting together for 2022, like, you know, is, is the standard agency stuff of how can we land more business? Um, yeah. But the the other second half of pretty much everything we're going to focus at, our efforts on next year is, you know, how do we help support our freelance team, make them mm -hmm. feel like more of a community, more of a family, um, you know, take away as many of the downsides of a distributed model as we can um, to, you know, just make them feel like, yeah, I, I want to work with literal humans because I actually like them and I, and I feel, feel like they take care of me. One, one thing you kind of mentioned earlier on, uh, Will, was that when you were kind of up and running, and I kind of hear this many times before is 
getting pricing uh, and, and, and not putting a probably a fair enough price on the work and effort you're, you're putting into it. How much is that a case of just wanting to win the work or needing time to understand the model better? And now are you kind of more comfortable with how you price and model up uh, the, the work you, you do going forward? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, you know, you're just so desperate at the start to like land anything that you just, yeah. you, you under play in your head what things will cost. And it, you just then need that experience of going, it would be better off doing no work than doing work that we're actually like just about breaking even or losing money on. I think it's something every, like at least every agency owner I've ever spoken to, you know, at the start, you'll, you'll do that that contract for 2000, which you should have done for five. And you have to kind of burn your hand to, to learn that, you know, just learn, have that experience to go, no, this is what things cost. We know, and um, you know, you you do the further you get in with more operational expertise, just get to a point where you're like, okay, I know almost to the dollar sign how much actually each piece of content costs us to create. So when yeah. you're having those negotiations with clients, you know that there is absolutely a floor you can't go beneath, um, and and probably a ceiling as well. So you you just keep within that kind of sweet spot when when pitching. And in terms of then getting that balance right now between you've got an existing client book that you're servicing, but also wanting to keep your eye on kind of future revenues, future new clients, how do you ascertain what the right balance is between how much you could potentially take on plus how you could service the, the current client crop? Oof, yeah. I mean, that's not, that's like the core question. For <laughs> it riddled me that. Yeah. Um... I mean, I, th I think you, like you just try to take that 30,000 foot view and, and get a sense from your team, like how are these engagements going? I mean, we, we try to like go through our client roster as a partner team, you know, on like a biweekly basis and, and just have an, an honest assessment of how we're doing with each um, each engagement. But at the same time, business development, you know, biz dev doesn't really stop. So, um, you know, there, there have been times where like, we'll tend to handle like our onboarding month with clients and we've just like slammed him with like four clients being onboarded at the same time. And that's just like a really awful time for Will. So we're trying to you know ease up on that a little bit. And then, and then also like just having that real assessment with your, your team of like, how are these engagements going? Can we take on another one? I've been in a position in previous agencies where like we haven't taken on that extra work and it's kind of particularly around the pandemic come to, you know, bite us in the butt there. And, um, we wish we had just, we could have a, a, you know, a fuller roster. So it's kind of a, there's no like science to it, but I think there, there could be like, I think we're getting to a point where we're getting much yeah. more, um, tight with our pricing and, you know, much more connected to like, you know, quality reviews and things like that of, of work. So, yeah. um, getting there, but it's still early days. I think as well, again, like one of the nice things about our model is, is actually a lot easier to very quickly, you know, if, if you do land three clients, the core, you know, the core of what most of what we do is like, you know, design video or copywriting, like, you know, obviously there's a lot more to it than that, but it's, you know, it's a, you, you, and all three of those, we have an extensive list of freelancers on, um, you know, the, the management of projects, the content op side of things. That's why that was the first hire we had. There's quite a lot of, um, capacity in that internal team to, you know, add another five or six clients quickly. The bit that normally agencies struggle with is like, oh crap, how are we going to get a copywriter to be able to handle this? How are we going to get a designer? Whereas obviously, you know, that that's a process of, you know, a Slack message to our pre-vetted list of freelancers. And then that's 80% of the project, you know, the other 20% just being management. Whereas again, if you're kind of in that core, oh, we need to, do we have enough 
business right now to hire a full-time extra designer, a full-time extra copywriter, a full-time, you know, SEO person, it, it does slow you down a bit. So I, I think we've been, we've been lucky with that kind of flexibility of our model. Um, you know, if we've never felt like when we land four new clients that our current roster is suffering, um, you know, we, we, we have always been able to handle it. And, you know, we've not seen that bad drop off rate. You know, I, I think the, the day me and Paul think we're focusing too much on biz dev is when our clients start complaining or we start to see a bunch of, of really low retention. And we just haven't seen it despite having, as Paul said, had some bloody horrible months where we brought, brought five new clients on and just been like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Time to onboard five people <laughs> in one. <laughs> I suppose just on that then, both in terms of like dealing with onboarding clients, but also you guys have alluded to obviously having clients in, in multiple geographies and, and time zones. Um, so I imagine there's some systems behind the scenes that help you to enable the kind of communication flows or showcasing work, gathering feedback. Are there a couple of tools that you feel give you the ammunition to be able to handle the kind of broad range of clients in multiple areas? Yeah, I mean, uh, just off the cuff, I mean, Slack is is huge just in terms of communication with clients. Um, Asana from project management perspective, um, Drive for just, you know, all the work is in there. It's stored in there. It's organized in, in Google Drive, Google Meet and, and Zoom for, you know, chats and things like that. Um, I, th I think Asana, like really tightening up our Asana game has been, you know, more of a game changer for us. And I think we've seen clients appreciate it because it's really clear to them where we are in the project and sort of the, the flow from left to right in terms of the, the progress of different pieces of content, things like that. So I think when we're, we're at our best, we're like really using that really well. And it's just, it's just really clear what the timeline is and the deliverables are and things like that for clients. So yeah, some, something, um, Paul and, um, the, the wonderful content ops, um, go, we hired called, uh, Nami, um, she talk about, like yeah, she, honestly, I, I, me and Paul are both utterly love her because she's given us so much of our free time. Back. Um, yeah, I think both of our jobs became about 30 or 40% less stressful as two weeks after we hired her. So, um, yeah, shout out, hopefully remains in the podcast now. Um, but yeah, there's something they both talk about a lot, which that onboarding month is meant to address. And, and, you know, there is a constant process with the clients is kind of educating clients on how to be good clients. So, you know, when someone emails you something that should be in Asana going, Hey, can we keep this in Asana? You know, really training them that that's the point of contact, training them how to use the board because it, you know, it saves up so much of your time and so much of their time in the long term. If it rather than sending that message, you know, that those 30 messages over a month, they just know where they need to look in Asana. They know where they need to look in the drive folder. It, it solve, it makes things quicker for them and things quicker for us. So there's definitely a, along with all those tools and systems in place that, you know, the world is moving towards um, post-pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's really making sure that the clients use them, understand them, and, you 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 know, Paul and um, myself have sort of had moments where he's been like, you know, you need to do a better job of te teaching this client how to use mm -hmm. the partner because that's where a lot of the friction is coming from. And, you know, that, that was something we'd not real, at least I personally hadn't realized was going to be yeah. a large part of that agency work is, you know, training clients to be good clients. Yeah. Yeah. But sense things that that opening education piece is pretty crucial to a, a long-term successful working relationship. When I've messed it up in the past, it has had, you know, like ramp, you know, if, gotcha. if, if the onboarding isn't done properly, it, there are further down the line, it bites you in the bottom. I, I think too, like a good a good client, like kind of wants to be sort of like you know 
helped out or supported into being more organized in terms of their, like a lot of times they're hiring us because they want a content engine or they want someone to kind of whip them in the shape to kind of, um, mm. you know, get that work done. And, and so with, with a, a gentle hand, I think they appreciate, you know, that you're, you're just, you know, getting them organized so they can do their best work with you. And if you just frame it that way, you know, they, they get it, but I think sometimes it's easy to come in thinking that you're the supplicant, you know, because the client is paying you, but really like they've hired you as an expert and they're looking for your expertise and, and also a process most of the time. So, um, and, and real quick, another one I throw out there is notion. I'm trying to really invest the team in notion as a tool. And like, you know, just as a, as an executive, like saying things 10 times is way worse than building a page once. Like for example, our invoicing page, like I was getting so many DMS from people about like how to invoice the agency. And I'm like, look, mm. here it is. It's just on this notion page. Just follow these directions, please. Don't, don't at me, <laughs> you know? So yeah. Like that. yeah Cause that's what I was going to ask on the back office side of things. Obviously you've got billing on the client side of things, but also there's that freelancer network. So that obviously has lots of different arms and legs, but by the same things, notion give you a huge amount of flexibility to, to manage that side of things. Yeah. And one thing I thought was really interesting, which you just said there, Paul was, you guys are the subject matter expertise because often I'd, I'd say a failing maybe in some agencies is that they they take that kind of uh what's the word I'm looking for non-superiority complex in terms of like yes 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 when in actual fact sometimes it takes a strong hand or a strong voice to 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 to, to talk the client through is, is that something that you kind of drill into your team and your freelancers when, when, when engaging with clients? Yeah, it, it operates a couple of different ways. I think we, we have a lot of contact between our, our team, like, you know, our, our writers, our designers, our project managers will speak directly to the client. And I know in some agency models, that's not necessarily the case. You'll have like a client services person doing, you know, most of that. So I think we really try to empower people to manage up or manage across, however you look at it, to the client. And, um, you know, but we're go going through stuff right now with like clients who are in different branding projects and they want cycles of revisions and things like that. And, you know, you, you really have to stick to the, the letter of the, the contract, but also be, you know, human about it and be flexible and offer a little extras here and there and things like that. But, it, but you have to kind of, especially in creative work, like insist on the integrity of your time and, and the value of it. Um, because I think a lot of times creatives just get run over roughshod with, you know, Hey, you're, you're a freelancer, you're flexible. You can meet at this time. You can do a little, a little extra here. And it's like, no mate, like this is, this is my job. Like this is, you know, just like yours, if your boss has to come in on a Saturday, yeah. like that sucks and you shouldn't have to. So, um, putting yeah. those systems in place and just, I'm always like, what does the contract say? What's it say in Asana? Like, let's go back, which feels weird. Cause you know, that's sort of not always my style to be like the stickler, but um, you really realize when you put those systems in place and you work them through that they're there for a reason and they're there to respect your time and the quality and the, and the process. So I think we were really lucky with, with literal humans that Paul did have that previous agency experience, because I feel we've got to that place probably two or three years earlier than most other agencies do. You know, we, we really respect our freelancers and our own time and, you know, just happiness. Um, and, you know, we, we don't want to be telling, you know, Hey, I know that we only paid you 250 pounds for this, um, you know, 500 word blog post, but here's the fifth round of revisions from the client. Um, and this is now just your problem and we're not paying you anything for it. You know, you lose all your good talent. It makes you feel terrible because you know, you're, you're kind of ruining someone's day. It's just not worth it. And, you know, we've, we've fortunately not had many of these situations, but you know, there have been a couple of times where we've pushed back been like these are our processes and then the client's gone no and we've gone okay well goodbye like you know we we, we don't want to work with bad clients mm -hmm. um who are gonna you know 
not respect the processes that we've yeah. signed a contract on and make our freelancers life hell. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, you aren't worth the money you're paying us. Um, and, and that, yeah. you know, I, I think it normally takes people about five, six years of running an agency to realize that. Whereas, um, yeah, thanks to Paul's kind of expertise um, and past experience, I think we got there a couple of years early. Well, I suppose given uh, what you've gone through so far in terms of launching the uh, agency during the pandemic, picking up initial clients, finding kind of more of your niche, what then does the next 12 months look for you guys in terms of what you could be doing different or how you're going to adapt and grow the business? Yeah, I mean, I think you're catching us at a really interesting time, like about the year and a half mark. And so, like, I think we're just starting to lift our heads up and look back and be like, First of all, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and then second of all, like, how do we, how do we grow from, from that? Um, so yeah, there's that. I mean, I think the thing that I'm excited about, and I think Will's working on some stuff that he can mention is, you know, just as, as a, as a new ish agency owner who has a little bit of agency management background, like I'm super interested in how do we move away from just purely trading time for money and, and maybe building actual products. So, um, you know, we're looking deeper into audio, looking deeper into video. Um, you know, looking into thought leadership and how do we work with executives to produce really great writing that supports, you know, just their, their name as a, as a thought leader in any industry, um, but with specific, you know, purpose into, um, you know, tech for good and in the industries we're already playing in. Um, so things that are like a little bit more flexible than just, you know, here's the four blog posts we're going to deliver to you each month, for example, and, and a little bit more exciting as well. Like just where's, where's the market going? Where are the different industries? Um, I became a like, you know, niche down in specific tech for good industries, really love ed tech, really love health tech. I don't think those are going any places. I think they're actually getting bigger as a result of the pandemic. Um, so, you know, finding even deeper niches and drilling down a bit. Yeah, I think the the thing I'm most excited for over the next year is like, um, yeah, as is almost always the case with an agency, we have a bit of a cobbler's shoes situation with kind of our own content and, and social. You know, we, we, we do, um, you know, a blog post, post a month, but we're too fo we've been too focused on, you know, getting that business to, to fund. Um, so we haven't built the kind of inbound engine that we have for our clients, which is obviously insane. Um, so I'm very excited to just really build that kind of, you know, awesome content marketing inbound engine, really grow our owned channels um, so that we start to see a bit more of, you know, an inbound engine that where we rather than kind of working our butts off to get um, five or six leads a week, we kind of have them come in organically um, from, you know, our own content marketing efforts, which we know work because th that's what we do. Um, so super excited for that. I think, I think that's going to be awesome. I, I was speaking to a, another agency the uh, uh, other week. They were like, yeah, we get like 15 or 20 inbound leads a week and we pitch twice a month because we only pitch on the things that we absolutely want to do and love. And like that for me is kind of the ultimate end goal is like, yeah, you, you're only working with clients that blow your mind and you, you just don't have to try any, not, not don't have to try anymore, but you've done all the hard graft and you've got that beautiful inbound weekly content engine. Awesome. I mean, it, it certainly sounds like you guys are uh, eyes on everything at all times to see how you can make those gains and improvements. I suppose just behalf of us, thank you so much for, for coming on. I mean, it's been brilliant to hear kind of how you guys came to be as literal humans, but you've really given some amazing nuggets on the kind of trials and tribulations of getting an agency up and running, kind of some of the learnings on kind of products and how you deal with both clients and freelancers. So thanks a mil guys for absolutely everything. Such great intel there and uh, couldn't wish you any more luck with literal humans. Hopefully you guys go from strength to strength. Thank you so much for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.